Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for So God is not just going to judge the quantity of our good works, but the quality. What you want to write is this. Final rewards in heaven will be based on two things. One, outward service, the quantity, all the good things I did, but also inward motives. So it's not just the things I did, but why I did them. So if we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day, even as believers, then our job is to just do as many good works as possible until then, right? Well, not so fast. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us that it's not just the quantity of our good works, but the quality of them as well. In other words, we will receive rewards not just for what we have done with the gifts and opportunities God has given us, but why? What was the motivation for what we did? Our own glory and achievement or the glory of God? So don't just do something, do it for Him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he continues his message entitled, Why Church? Contribute and receive eternal rewards. Now look at verse 10. We've already become a Christian. Verse 8 and 9 tells us that. We're a Christian. Now what does God expect of me when I became a Christian? Here it is. For we are God's masterpiece or workmanship. He has created us anew. Old things have passed away. Everything's become new in Christ Jesus. So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Before you were born, you were wired by God, number one, to know him, to become a Christian. God wired every human being to have a personal relationship with him. But after you do that, verses eight and nine, we just don't sit here. Now God has created for us Good things. He's wired us with talents and abilities and a lifetime of opportunities to do good things for him. At the judgment seat of Christ, I'll be rewarded for those things that I did here. I will give an account of how faithful I was for my time, my talents, my money, and how I contributed to the kingdom of God. You see, before you were born, God had a blueprint for your life. Before our conversion, he mapped out this spiritual career for us. 
It's the will of God. And I get to discover that his will is perfect and exciting and fulfilling. For instance, I'm wired by God to be a pastor teacher. That's the spiritual gift that he gave me. Now, I have a mixture of others, but that's my major spiritual gift. I can't be proud for it. It's a gift that he gave me. Second, I'm wired to fulfill the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. You're wired to fulfill the Great Commission. I'm also wired to be a follower of Jesus Christ, as everybody is. I'm also wired to be a loving husband. I didn't have the gift of celibacy, so God wired me. His blueprint for me was to to be married. I'm wired to be a loving husband. I'm wired to be a caring father. I'm wired to be a faithful friend. You're wired by God the same way. Before you were born, before you were born, God had this blueprint for you. And what I do with this potential, all the things and the opportunity, this potential, and where I am now, what I do, and how small that gap is between my potential and my action is what happens at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm already in heaven. I can't earn heaven. But I'll be rewarded for the tremendous potential, the blueprint. He's going to say, Balmer, how did you do? What happened in your life? And we'll walk that through this morning. It'll be very clear to you. Now, second thing you want to write then is really this. At the judgment seat of Christ, we will be rewarded according to how faithfully, here's that word, we contributed. We gave of ourselves to the kingdom of God. If you look back at verse 10, you see these words, judgment seat of Christ. In the original language, it meant the bema seat. Well, that doesn't mean anything to us here, but it meant everything to those in the Greek culture. It is a bema seat, a judgment seat. In those days, when Paul mentioned this, everybody knew. It was kind of like our Olympics. There would be a judge that would be standing on this platform, and down below would be the people. And maybe like our Olympics... Gold and bronze and silver, they'd be standing down there and the judge would hand out different rewards for the good things they'd done. This is very standard. So Paul used the terminology of the day to let us know what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. Normally this was used for proclamations, uh, winners of the Greek athletic contests and so forth. Now, This next verse that Paul writes that you're going to see here in Romans, he says this. We will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Who's going to be at the judgment seat of Christ? Only only Christians, okay? Did they get there by their good works? No, because it's it's a gift. They're going to be rewarded for for the potential God wired him with and how small the gap is, what he accomplished. Not just in church, but as a husband, as a father, as a workman, in every aspect of our life, okay? At the judgment seat, let me read this to you. Suddenly, it's your turn and Jesus calls you up to the platform. When you get to the platform, you look around at the throngs of people and they're all believers, Watch this. You turn and look into the very eyes of Jesus. Now, is that going to be wonderful or is that going to be wonderful? Woo! 
You have no fear because you know he loves you. And yet, there's a little bit of apprehension when Jesus begins to play back your history since you became a believer. From day one to where you were when you died is the playback that's going to happen here. By the way, don't be negative about this judgment seat. You will be there. You, I will be there one-on-one, not with a group of people, and I'm going to give an account of my life. Now, all of us have tremendous potential. God knows that we're sinners, and we fail. And most of you are doing very well. You're doing terrific. So don't look at the judgment seat of Christ like, man, a judgment seat of Christ. Can I bypass it? No, you can't bypass it. It's a place of rewarding because God knows we're not perfect. Relax, it's going to be okay. But what I wanted to do with Herb here is to remind you, you're going to stand before God and there'll be nothing hidden from God. Nothing. All your motives, every aspect of your life, totally open because he's all-knowing God. And at that time, I will give an account of how I was wired, my potential, and what I did with the opportunities of my life. I will give a response to that. Look at this verse again, 2 Corinthians 5.10. Look at it. Does it matter how you live after you became a Christian? Pastor Mark, all I want to do is slide into heaven. Well, you're no different now, don't you? You see, the decisions we make today turn around and make us tomorrow. Aren't you so glad that you didn't have to get the information about the judgment seat of Christ after you got to heaven? Why did God put it in the Bible now? Why did Paul? So we'd be aware and we could change our lives and do the things that God has equipped us and wired us and given us a blueprint for our life. Well, look in this. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.10. Look toward the end of the sentence. One may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body. In other words, while I'm living, whether good or bad. Let me ask you something. This last week, how much time did you spend in your body? How much time did you spend in your body? All your time. What is God going to judge you for? Hey, I've been to church four weeks in a row. Doesn't that count? Well, sure, but that's one day a week. Here's, get it out of your mind. Don't separate secular from spiritual. Every aspect of our life is going to be judged. It's not how many gold stars I got because I came to church four weekends in a row. Hallelujah. It's how I lived as a husband, as an employer, as a neighbor this week, 24-7. I'm being judged. Do not separate this secular stuff that you do six days a week from how you're wired. No, you're wired to be a good husband, a good neighbor, a good worker, salt and light. So Christianity is not an event. It's a lifestyle. And that's what he says. I'm going to give an answer at the judgment seat of Christ for what I did, all the things I did in my body. When I walk out of this door, I'm still accountable to God. 
And if you don't get that, you'll miss the whole key. That's what the church has done, this kind of this religious deal. We go do, we punch our religious clock for the week and go out and live like we normally live. That's crazy. Paul says, I'm going to give an account of myself for things done in my body, whether good or bad. So there's going to be rewards or different degrees of rewards. Now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, back one book, one book. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. What's that judging going to look like? How's it going to be? In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, scoot on down to verse 5. Paul says this, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the, circle it, the motives of men's heart. At that time, each will receive his praise or his reward from God. So God is not just going to judge the quantity of our good works, but the quality. What you want to write is this. Final rewards in heaven will be based on two things. One, outward service, the quantity, all the good things I did, but also inward Motives. So it's not just the things I did, but why I did them. Let's say this morning that I'm teaching you because I want you to think good of me. And I want you to say great things about me. And I want you to really mean it when you say, Pastor Mark, nice sermon. <laughs> and I'm doing it for me and not for God. And I don't really care about the rest. Well, you wouldn't know that motive. That's why Paul says, don't judge things before. I can't judge your motive. You can't judge my motive. But can somebody? Yes, God knows. God knows my motive. And if I'm here with the wrong motive, you're going to see in a moment, there's no reward for that. It's gone. No matter how great the service, no matter how many people come to the Lord, which is not my deal anyway, but I'm getting nothing from that because my motive is wrong. It's just not the amount of work The amount of good things that I do, but it's the motive. Second, you're right in that same chapter, scoot back to 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2. Not only is it this motive and also this kind of, as I said there, this outward thing and the inward thing, but notice how he puts it in terms that we can really understand. So then men ought to regard us as, first of all, servants of Christ. As those entrusted, that word entrusted means a steward. I'm given a certain amount of money responsibility, and I'm going to give an answer for that. With the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. So I'm also, this potential that God has given you is two things. I'm a servant, but I'm also a steward. I'm to have an attitude of humility as a servant. I'm just serving God. But as a steward, I'm responsible for the entire house of the owner. I'm entrusted to manage everything in that household. That's what a steward meant. Notice, entrusted with the things of God. You say, well, what do you mean every Christian is a steward of a household for the owner of that house? Well, you're one chapter away from the verse I want you to look at. 1 Corinthians 3 Verse 16, go there. What house are we a steward over? Watch this. Paul says in verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's house and that God's spirit lives in you? The day you became a Christian, 
a follower of Christ, God came to live in which was before your house. But when he came in to live in your house, you are no longer the boss. It is now his house. So when God came to live in me as a Christian, I gave up my rights to live my life my way. So Paul says, I'm now a servant and a steward of my house. God wants me to operate his house, which is my body, as a steward and a servant. We are to humbly manage it so to advance the kingdom of God. So as you look at your body, I'm going to give an answer for what I do in this body. Body, soul, spirit. While I'm on this earth, whatever number of years, I'm going to give an answer for God who lives in me. This is the house of God. I'm a manager of this house. Physically, financially, all my gifts. Here's my potential. Here's all my gifts. How am I doing with my gifts? You're not going to give an answer for me. You're not going to give an answer for me. You're not going to give an answer for me. I'm going to give an I'm going to stand before God and give an answer for my house, which is actually God's house. So here's what I want you to write. Long sentence, but it'll take you a little while to write it. If I'm going to be a good, faithful steward, well, then I have to effectively manage. So it says this. We are to effectively manage. In other words, the word I would use there is contribute, give with passion. Do this with passion. I'm effectively manage my time, number of hours in a week, my talents, we'll talk about that in a moment, in all of my possessions, everything I have, including money. I told you I wouldn't teach on money today, but I just mentioned the word. So I'm a manager, I'm a steward, I'm a servant of everything God gave me. And it's my responsibility to manage it effectively and well. Now, when I'm judged, when I'm judged at the judgment seat of Christ with my time, my talents, my possessions, it's going to be this potential that God wired me with and how, how I fulfilled it. And as I mature as a Christian, this is the goal, to make the gap smaller, to make the gap smaller. Now, I want to give you this morning four ways to contribute as you become this incredible faithful servant and also steward. Number one, contribute with the goal of pleasing God. Contribute with the goal of pleasing God. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says this. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home, in the body, or away from it. By the way, he just means if I'm on earth, my goal is to please him. When I get to heaven, will I have trouble pleasing God? Away from my body? In heaven? No, I won't have trouble because there's no sin. I'll always please God. Where do I have trouble pleasing God? Here. Here. So God made this tremendous investment in your life. First of all, you're a Christian. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. And then he gifted me. He uniquely gifted me. And he expects a significant return. He left me here. He left you here for a reason. That's why we're here. And my opportunity for heavenly rewards are limited to what I do between when I became a Christian and when I die. The impact that I make today ripples throughout all eternity for me. How I live today has tremendous impact on how I will live in heaven. So understand that there's degrees of reward. Now, if I'm going to make my goal to please him, how does that work? 
Well, we started in Matthew 16. Remember, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross. In other words, you have to give up your will, and you have to follow me. So it is going to cost me to please God. Sometimes I don't want to please God. And that's why this gap broadens. Sometimes I just want to do my own thing. But here's what I've discovered. When you get it in your mind that his will for you is better than any other will, you won't have any trouble pleasing God. You just go his way. Doesn't matter good things, bad things, doesn't matter, whatever. We all have stuff in our life. But once you make that decision and you just start going for it, it'll change you forever. It'll just change you forever. Because his plan, his blueprint for your life is better than anything you could ever design, ever. Get used to it, get ready, start flowing with it. Now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12. What's going to happen at this judgment seat of Christ? How is that actually going to look? Here we go. Before verse 12, Paul talks about us building our house on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Then he says this. If any man builds on this foundation using gold and silver and costly stones, that would be things that last. Here's the, that'd be the good stuff. Here's the bad stuff. Wood, hay, and straw. His work at the judgment seat will be shown for what it is because the day, the judgment seat of Christ, will bring it to light. Well, how will that work? It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the, remember, not quantity, but the quality, the motive of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Now remember, this is not about whether we're going to heaven. These are Christians. But God is going to evaluate that potential that we had and how much we accomplished. The wood, hay, and the straw are not about sin. They're about priorities. You became a Christian, and you really never went for it. You became a carnal Christian. You weren't interested in really pursuing the will of God. And yes, you read your Bible, you studied, you came to church on a fairly regular basis, but you didn't use your giftings. You didn't strive to be this incredible husband or great father. You just kind of, you kind of just went for it whenever it was there, it was cool. There was not much into your life. So your whole, here's the potential here, and you moved about this far in your whole life. Well, all of that that you think you did, with the wrong motive, at the judgment seat of Christ, it's just burned up. There's nothing. Now, the Bible says we have to be careful. The Bible says don't live your life so that you would be ashamed at the coming of the Lord. Are you ready to stand before Jesus Christ? While many may think they are based simply upon their faith in Christ, we should remember that there is a judgment of rewards coming. And while our salvation may not be in jeopardy, our rewards may be. In today's message, Pastor Mark challenged us to remember that our rewards will come not just for what we did for God in this life, but the motive behind our work for Him. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church, and today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Are you contributing to the furtherance of God's kingdom? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark continues to challenge us that a judgment is coming, a judgment of rewards for the believer, and God is calling us to contribute to the spread of his kingdom. Pastor Mark challenges us to consider whether we are contributing with the goal of pleasing God with humility and with excellence. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.